Good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John. John's Gospel, chapter 4 today. We'll be starting in verse 43 towards the end of John 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 4. And while you're turning there in your Bibles, just uh, like to remind you to continue in prayer over our students and leaders who are on the annual bike trip with Pastor Nick and his wife Sky. 35 are on the trip today. And so they come back at 2 this afternoon. So just pray for ongoing safety and for spiritual impact. So here we go. John chapter 4, 43. This will lead into chapter 5 a little bit. <clears throat> After the two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. 
May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word today. Have you ever been sick? I mean, have you like been really, really sick? Years ago, uh, right before the fall of my freshman year, I became really sick. Uh, I had a temperature, went over 100 degrees, went all the way up to 106 degrees. My mom took me to the doctor. They said, oh, you must have some sort of a stomach flu or something. They sent me home, and they could not get my temperature down. I was not doing well. As a matter of fact, at one point, as I'm laying there in my bed, I thought, okay, it's over. I'm now going to die. At age, what, 17, 18, with 106-degree temperature, I felt so horrible. Finally, they took me to the emergency room and uh, checked me out, checked the old uh, white blood count, and, oh, it was elevated. Oh, your appendix is about ready to explode. Oh, that's not good. Let's take that out of you. So they took it out. And there I was in the hospital. And of course, I'm allergic to some medications. I'm allergic in particular to penicillin. And uh, so they changed my medication midway, and I was doing better. And I went home. And uh, a week later, I'm now on campus at Illinois Central College in East Peoria, Illinois, also known as Harvard on the Hill. As I was walking to class, I'm now starting to walk like this, and my temperature is starting to go back up. And oh no, it was abscessing. And now I had to go back in the hospital. Again, I thought I was going to die. This is how I could tell as a 17, 18-year-old kid I, I was about to die. They had all these training nurses from Illinois Central College helping me and taking care, and I could care less. <laughs> I could care less. I, it's over. But man, I was high sick. We've all been there in certain ways, different capacities. As we'll see today, all of us are susceptible to disease, sickness, and death. But Jesus is our great physician. We can always turn to him in our time of need. We don't have to see signs and wonders to believe who Jesus is. We don't have to panic in our situation. We can trust the promises of God. And as we do, God will reveal himself to us in amazing ways. We need to faithfully follow after Jesus, demonstrating compassion toward those who are in need, doing what Jesus says to do, acknowledging Jesus' healing work in our lives, doing all we can to pursue righteousness in the process. Today's focus, as we take a look at this idea that you may believe, we're studying the great physician, Jesus, the Christos, the Christ, the promised one, the Messiah. This is in John's Gospel, John's Gospel written by John, perhaps the very best friend of Jesus during his earthly ministry. John gives us his purpose in writing what he has here in this Gospel in John 30, verse 31. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. As we look at the background of this particular text, we see in verse 33 that after the two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. 
having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, where they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. So here's our map. Remember, he was in Jerusalem where he cleansed the temple and he moved northward all the way up to Sychar where he met the woman at the well. That was the beginning of chapter 4 in John's gospel. And now we're moving up to the area of Cana where we see uh, Tiberias and uh, Capernaum in that area, Nazareth just to the southwest, just outside the circle. And this is the area that he finds himself in terms of his ongoing work in ministering to people Again, after spending two days in Sikar, Jesus heads north. There's this parenthetical comment. You noticed it. A prophet has no honor in his own country. We all know how familiarity can breed contempt. And here Jesus' father, Joseph, was from Judea, where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. In other words, the people knew where he was from. And by the way, there's going to be more on this with chapter 5, so stay tuned for that. This rhetoric against Jesus will be turned up and the heat was already starting to be turned up against him in Jerusalem, especially after he cleansed the temple. There's some people in Jerusalem pretty hot about who Jesus is. So he moves northward to continue his ministry. But today in our study, I have three biblical truths for your consideration as we see how Jesus is indeed the great physician. Before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word right now, we recognize how needy we are and how desperate we, we need your truth. Oh, God, we ask that you'd be our teacher today. Not this speaker, Lord. We want to hear from you with what you have to say. So, Lord, have your way in our midst. Be our guide. Be our teacher, instructor. May we hear from you from these words given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that we might be changed, moved toward you, drawn toward you as people, as your people. Lord, have your way in this place. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's the first truth that we're going to look at. All of us are susceptible to disease, sickness, and death. All of us are. I had, you know, appendicitis. I, maybe you've had something else. Maybe you uh, had to deal with the whole pandemic thing, right? Notice what it said. And at Capernaum in verse 46, there was an official whose son was ill. We've all been there as a parent. If you're, if you're a parent, you, you know what it's like. When your kid's sick, it's awful. Last thing you want is your kid to feel horrible. And so his son is ill. All of us are susceptible to disease, sickness, and death. Illness and disease, of course, was the result of the fall of man. Way back in Genesis 3.19, God said to Adam and Eve, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We're susceptible to these things as human beings because of the great fall, because of our rebellion and sin against a holy, righteous God. Psalm 89.48, the psalmist says, what man can live and never see death? Anybody have an answer for that one? Nobody. We're all going to see death. Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Who, who can deliver us from the pit? Only God can do that. 
Paul reminds us in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. There's two things you can count on in life, right? Taxes and death. Here they come. This is an official who's now come to Jesus with a sick boy, likely a Roman official who'd been serving in Herod's court. Here we have a courtier from Capernaum seeking out a carpenter in Cana some 20 miles away. By the way, that's a long walk on behalf of your boy. All of us are susceptible to disease, sickness, and death. But secondly today, don't miss this, Jesus is our great physician. He's the one who makes all the difference. First of all here, we can always turn to him in our time of need. No matter what's going on in your world, no matter how sick you are or how sick your child is, we can always turn to him in our time of need. In verse 47, it says, When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. You'll recall that the first healing took place in the garden when God made Eve from the rib of Adam. Do you remember that? There was a surgery that took place with the first anesthesia. Genesis 2.21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. That was the first healing right there. Even after Abraham had lied to Abimelech about his wife Sarah, and Abimelech took her to be his wife, Abimelech and all the women in his household became ill. At which point, Genesis 20, verse 17, Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech. And also healed his wife and female slaves so they, they would bear children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. He is the great physician. James 5. James, the brother of Jesus, says it this way in verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Just as Abraham turned to God for healing, we too need to turn to the great physician for healing. But secondly here, we don't have to see signs and wonders to believe who Jesus is. But this is how we're wired, right? We want to see it. Hey, show it to me. Prove it to me. Notice what it said in verse 48. As Jesus hears the request from this guy that you need to come and heal my boy, verse 48, Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll, you will not believe. And the reality is, you know, we don't need to see signs and wonders to believe, do we? Isn't it true that we are called to walk by faith and not by sight? Isn't that the whole point of faith is that I'm not seeing? We often say, God, do something, then I'll believe. But God says, believe, then I will do something. In my life, I've always seen God do awesome things after I've chosen to be obedient. Did you hear that? I've seen God do awesome things after I've chosen to be obedient. This has been true in my life time and time again. 
Beloved, we don't have to see signs and wonders to believe who Jesus is and what he can do. We can rest in him. We can wait on him for what he's going to do. He's worthy of it. He is the great physician. We can always turn to him in our time of need. But thirdly here, we don't have to panic in our situation. At this point, this man's a little exasperated because Jesus isn't really responding the way he wants Jesus to respond. Does that happen to you sometimes? You cry out to God and he doesn't quite come through the way you think he should? The official says, well, sir, come down before my child dies. Don't you understand? This is an emergency. He's going down. And here the official demonstrates how desperate he is. And he becomes emphatic that Jesus come and heal his child. Paul reminds us in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yes, we should do what is prudent and expedient to make sure our loved ones receive the care they need. But ultimately, we need to trust God as our great physician. He is the great physician. There comes a point where we have done everything practical and prudent to bring about healing, and then we need to rest in him and wait on him. We don't need to panic. We don't need to see signs and wonders to believe who Jesus is. But fourthly here, we can simply trust the promises of God. Will you do that? Will you trust in the promises of God? In verse 50, Jesus says this crazy thing. You can imagine it's supposed to be crazy for this guy. Go, your son lives. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Jesus. Appreciate that one. But what does it say? The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he started off. The man believed Jesus. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe what Jesus has to say? Do you believe in God's word? Do you believe that God's word is true without error? Take your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab your Bible. Let's do, I'm going to do a little experiment here real quick. Take your Bible and open it up, and I want you to grab one page from your Bible. Can you just grab one page in your Bible? Put one hand on each side of it. I just want you to hold that one page. Here's my question to you. Do you believe that God can give you one page of Scripture without any errors in it that you could trust? Do you believe that? Do you? I've seen some, I'm, I, I should have a little more nod, nodding. Yes? Yeah? Right? Okay, okay, let's take another, take another page, put it in there. Do you believe that God could give you two pages without any error that we can believe? Yes. This is going to take a while. <laughs> right? Are we going to take him at his word or not? Yeah, we need to. The man believed Jesus. We need to believe him too. We can trust in the promises of God. But fifthly here, as we trust in him, it's at that point that God will reveal himself to us in amazing ways. Now, it's possible he might not come through for you the way you thought he would, but I, tr I believe his word. He's going to show himself to you in some capacity, some way. Notice what it said in verse 51. As he was going down, his servants met him. This is the official now. He's traveling back to see his boy. His servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, 
Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This is now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. The first being, of course, changing the water into wine. As we rest in his word, this is what this man did. He decided, okay, I'm going to take you at your word, God. I'm going to go. I'm going to go home. As he was going down, he meets the other servants. As he's waiting on his timing, he asked them the hour and began to get better. We too need to rest in his word. We need to wait on his timing with what he's going to do in his time. Sometimes things seem desperate or out of control or things are, how could this have happened? And yet God is still at work. And it's through this that we grow in our faith and we find out to what degree our faith is really real or not through the calamities of life, through the sovereign events that he allows to take place to grow us and mature us. We grow in our faith, not only for this man, but for his whole household. Why? Because in that moment, he had a little God sighting, didn't he? Actually, he had a big one. He had a big God sighting. You mean he got healed the same time I was meeting with Jesus? That's Over and over again, God shows us who he is and what he's capable of. Even this past year, God has shown me amazing things. You know, we've we've suffered some loss in our family these last couple years. And God continues to do amazing things even through those difficult times. What is God showing you? Beloved, Jesus is our great physician. We can always turn to him in our time of need. We don't have to see signs and wonders to believe who Jesus is. We don't have to panic in our situation. We can trust the promises of God. And as we do, he will reveal himself to us in amazing ways. Lastly, and don't miss this today, we simply need to faithfully follow after Jesus. That's what we need to do. And now we transition into another storyline, into the next chapter, chapter 5. We need to faithfully follow after Jesus. First of all, here, demonstrating compassion towards those who are in need. In verse 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, as we read this, some of you might notice, by way of the ESV, where's where's verse 4? Verse 4 isn't there. What's going on here? Who's tampered with my Bible? It is likely that this idea of an angel stirring up the waters was some sort of local superstition. Don't step on a crack or you'll break your mother's back, that kind of thing. Don't go under a ladder. Don't break a mirror. Historically, people have held on to all sorts of strange and wild superstitions that are just flat out unbiblical. As a matter of fact, as you notice that in the most ancient of Greek manuscripts, The last half of verse 3 and all of verse 4 are omitted. And in the ESV, they just take it out altogether. It reads in other 
translations you might have, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. Understand that we're not sure if that's even legitimate. But what I want you to see more than anything else here is Jesus' incredible compassion for this man. Where is he? He's at the pools of Bethesda where there's a multitude of sick people and Jesus stops and talks to this one. I always go, well, why didn't he heal everybody? He could have. No, I'm dealing with this one today. He has that right to choose that, does he not? And he does. Incredible compassion. Then Jesus asked this strange question that as we listen to it, we kind of think, well, that's kind of cruel. The invalid. You want to be healed? How many of us would walk up to someone in a wheelchair? Oh, you want to be healed, do you? But Jesus was doing a little check on this guy. 37 years. Going on 38 years of being an invalid. Now, this is no real comparison, but I've been married that long. (laughs) But I want to say this a long time. To such a degree, just think about how much atrophy has taken place. That even if this man could stand up, I mean, he he couldn't. There's no no muscles. There'd be no ability. Do you understand how remarkable this particular healing is? in terms of restoration for this guy? It's amazing. Do you want to get well? Sounds kind of cruel, but this is a serious question. Do you really want to get well? There are those who have serious health conditions that are incredibly burdensome. Some are in this room. However, there are others who are holding on to their ailments, and they wear them like a garment. You see, for this man to be well, it will mean that he will now have to take care of himself through the pursuit of his own livelihood. That will mean work, toil, and effort. As an invalid, people bring things to him. And so Jesus is asking, are you serious about really being made well? If so, then you will need to be ready for the responsibilities of health. If you're made well, you'll have no excuses to keep you from work, no excuses to keep you from serving Christ. But Jesus demonstrated incredible compassion for this man, and we need to do the same. We need to have compassion on people who are hurting. I'll be honest with you. uh, When Kathy and I got married, she would have never guessed I'd ever be a pastor because she knew when she married me that I was not a very compassionate person at all. Am I right? Yeah, okay. But the Lord allowed some things in my life that were lessons that I needed to learn. In my early 30s, my wife started telling me, she says, "Um, you know, you're not breathing in your sleep. I said, I am too. I'm still here. (laughs) I don't don't get it. What are you talking about? No, you, you stop breathing. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't believe it. One night, bless her heart, she got one of those the big old RCA video cam thing, you know, back in the day. Mind you, 
at 30, this is 30 years ago, so you understand this, how long ago this was. She, in the middle of the night, turns the light on and videos me not breathing. <laughs> Next morning, she shows it to me. See? I'm like, oh, no. Went to the doctor, and some of you know already, I, I was diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea. And in my early 30s, which I didn't fit the model for this, usually it's someone a little bit uh, middle age, a little bit more girth. I was yet a young man, and I didn't fit the profile for having obstructive sleep apnea. They do the test, and, you know, I'm waking up like, you know, 50, 60 times an hour trying to breathe. And so I'm not sleeping. I'd be in my appointments as a State Farm agent. I'd be, like, falling asleep in the middle of my appointment. And so they hooked me up with a machine. <laughs> That's a cool thing. A big mask, and it's, it's basically, if you've never used one before, it's like sticking your head out of a car window at 60, 70 miles per hour. A lot of this air coming at you. But you know what? I sleep. I sleep. As a matter of fact, if I don't use it for a night, I am messed up. It's like I've been up all night, and I'm exhausted if I don't use it. So I have to use it. Just like I have to wear glasses to see, I need this stupid thing for the last 30 years to sleep. You realize how humiliating it was as a 30-year-old to go through that? I got to tell you, it's not real sexy wearing that thing to bed. Hey, baby. It's like Darth Vader's in bed, right? This is great. Oh, you guys, it is humiliating. I was beside myself. But all of a sudden, I, it was something outside my, my control that I was going to have to deal with. And the Lord, through that, taught me compassion. Because all of you are carrying things that I don't know about, perhaps most people don't know about, that are burdensome. We need to have compassion for people. And Jesus demonstrates that. We need to faithfully follow after Jesus, demonstrating compassion towards those who are in need. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Secondly here, doing what Jesus says to do. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. Verse 7, when the water stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. That sounds even crueler. You want to get well? Hey, why don't you just go ahead and get up? Wow. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. This is amazing. It's a miracle. Notice how Jesus doesn't offer to help him get into the pool. Why? Because the pool isn't the solution. Only the healing power of Jesus could make the difference. He just says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Beloved, we are all under the curse of Adam's sin. All of us are going to die. All of us are unhealthy. In various ways, all of us are susceptible to getting sick. Now, there are God-ordained consequences for all of us because of the falls we've talked about, because of the corporate nature of our sin in general. But also, there are those who have chosen habits that wear on their bodies, alcohol, drug use, from minor dietary issues to the extremes of overindulgence, bulimia, anorexia, tobacco usage, marijuana usage, Obviously, there are God-ordained consequences to these things that can contribute negatively to our health condition in a fallen world. 
David himself says, as he's wrestling with adultery, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Why? For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. It also seems from Psalm 32 that there are other immoralities that can contribute to our health condition. I wonder how many are sick among us because of ongoing secret rebellions just like David wrestled with. The only place we can turn for healing is Christ, even healing from pornography, healing from alcoholism. I, I cry out to him with our dilemma. This man cries out, I have no man to put me into the pool. But we have Christ. Years ago, I had the opportunity to go to India and to do ministry over there. And over in India, when someone gets sick, the question, is, the question isn't, you know, if my health insurance is going to cover this or not. No, the question is, if someone gets sick in India, am I going to die? And I was at a crusade where over 25,000 people came. And I led a Bible study. I was told I'm going to lead a Bible study. I'm thinking, you know, like 30 people in a room with a chalkboard. 5,000 people under a tent for a Bible study. That was something. That was incredible. But constantly, people were coming up to us and wanting us to lay their hands on them, to pray for them. This, this one lady, she comes up and she points to her shoulder. She had this humongous boil thing. See, we're all treated. We have stuff removed that's not good. She had no place to go. So she doesn't even understand my language. I don't understand her language, but I know she wants me to pray for her. Another woman come up, comes up to me. Her hands were all cracking. It's like their hand, her hands were falling apart. There's another man that we saw. He had no toes. He had, been, he had no shoes. And so his, his feet have worn out for usage because there's no shoes. Oh, my gosh. And we prayed for as many as we could, and I don't know what the results of that were, but there's nowhere else to go but to him. Beloved, we need to faithfully follow after Jesus, doing what he's called us to do in all things. God may choose to heal you this side of eternity for a season. He is the great physician. We have to remember that any healing that takes place, even through a doctor, is ultimately God's doing. But for those who are in Christ, there is in fact coming a day of ultimate healing for all of us. If you're in Christ today, for the Christ follower, death becomes a welcome friend. You see, without death, we would be consigned to live for all eternity in sin. But because of God's gracious and timely provision for those who believe, Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Therefore, through death, we shall ever live with him for eternity, finally healed from all our infirmities, especially our ultimate infirmity, which is sin, indwelling sin. Paul writes, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have victory. We can have healing. Beloved, we need to do what Jesus says to do. Pick up your mat and walk. 
We need to be obedient to him. Put the filthy weed away. Put away the nasty drink. Put the gallon of ice cream down. Leave your adultery and pornography. Take up your, take up your bed. Walk. Thirdly here, we need to acknowledge Jesus' healing work in our lives. Notice what happens here in verse 10. So the Jews said to the man, who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, well, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn and there was a crowd in the place. I've personally seen this kind of healing. Perhaps you have too. Years ago, I had a man come to my office. He knocks on my door. In my office, the church I was serving, and he says, you know, I don't know what's happened to my wife, but she recently gave her life to Christ at this church, and I need to know what I need to do to give my life to Christ now. His name was Fred. Fred was a Palestinian. (laughs) Fred the Palestinian with a Muslim heritage. He came to Christ because of his wife, You need to show me what I need to do to be a Christian. I spent time with him, and I shared the gospel with him, and he prayed to receive Christ in my office. Several months later, he was at work, and he was electrocuted at work. He ran into a high-voltage terminal. He didn't even know what happened to him. He went down. He woke up and went back to work, and everything seemed fine. A few days later, all of a sudden, his body is shutting down. He finds himself in the ER, and the doctors are looking at him and going, what happened to you? He didn't know. And all of, all of his organs on the left side were all shutting down. After some time of talking and working through it, they finally realized, were you around high voltage at one point? Yeah. It was was over. The doctor said, you're not going to make it. And we we got a call to church. We started praying for Fred. And he was healed. He made it. He lived through it all. A few months later, we're baptizing him, and he's proclaiming what God did. We need to acknowledge Jesus' healing work in our lives. Lastly here doing all we can to pursue righteousness. Now, this last point, don't miss this. I know it's the last point, and I know you want to fold up your Bible and go home. I know, but don't do it. Doing all we can to pursue righteousness. Afterward, it says, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you're well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, I don't, I don't know all the take on that. Because we don't have any more data than that. But this presupposes that whatever problem he had by way of being an invalid, had to do with sin. Hey, don't, you need to, something needs to give. You need to change. So so nothing worse happens to you. This is coming from Jesus, God incarnate. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. We'll deal with the Sabbath issue next week, so stay tuned for that. But understand, we need to pursue righteousness as best we can. There's enough 
of a fallen world that we're in that we're all facing, let alone making it worse on ourselves through adding our own rebellion to our issues. Choose righteousness. Beloved, we need to faithfully follow after Jesus, doing all we can to pursue righteousness. Years ago, Kath and I went to Israel, and we went to Bethesda. We saw the pools of Bethesda, or what remained of them. And while we were there, we took some pictures. And we've taken one picture in particular, and we've blown it up, and we made a mosaic out of it. And it's hanging right now in the hallway as you walk in. Some of you didn't notice it. Some of you did notice it. You're like, what is that? Looks like ancient rules, ancient ruins. It's, it's the pools of Bethesda. Why? Nobody, by the way, I got no permission to do this. There's nothing hanging there, so I put it there. <laughs> but my point today with hanging it there is to make it known to all of us that this place needs to be a place of healing. A place of healing for people. A healing from sin, whether it's spiritual maladies, physical maladies, whatever we bring to him. This is what we should be about as a people, bringing life and restoration and healing to people as we share the love of Christ and the gospel. All of us are susceptible to disease, sickness, and death, but Jesus is our great physician. We can always turn to him in our time of need. We don't need to see signs and wonders to believe who Jesus is. We don't have to panic in our situation. We can simply trust the promises of God. and God will reveal himself to us in amazing ways. We need to faithfully follow after him, demonstrating compassion toward those who are in need, doing what Jesus says to do, and acknowledging Jesus' healing work in all of our lives doing all we can to pursue righteousness. This morning, after our communion time, if you're in need of prayer this morning, for whatever is on your heart, I'm going to have some board members and their wives up front here who are ready to pray with you and for you. As we turn to the Lord's table today, we've been talking about the great physician who's the one who can bring healing He's the one who saves. He's the one who can save to the uttermost. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Of course, he has no need like those other high priests to offer sacrifices daily for first for his own sins and then for those of his people since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Here at Oakwood Bible Church, we have an open communion table that is for all those who have put their faith and trust in Christ are so very welcome to participate in the two simple elements of the bread. Our gracious Heavenly Father, it's been so great to be in your house today with your people, uh, hearing your word and sharing in song sharing the bread and the cup together. Lord, thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And now as we go from this place, Lord, we ask that you'd go before us and that we'd walk with you in a way that would touch hearts and lives of those around us. Thank you, Lord. We want to give you all the praise today.
And all God's people said, amen. As a reminder, if you need prayer this morning, please come forward at this time. Otherwise, you're dismissed. <laughs>